Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. Happy to be with you today. It is May 7th, and I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. My sister Julie Dolan is in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Jewel. How are you doing? Howdy, Leanne. I'm, I'm okay. I have a large, unsightly cut on my lip that I am just so glad it's a podcast and not a video cast. In fact, the other day, in an attempt to camouflage it, I put on so much lipstick over the, the, the unsightly cut. You know, just, I mean, yeah. like these giant... I had like Angelina Jolie lips. <laughs> wow. It was not, it was not working, Lynn. It you was know, not working. You've never had Angelina Jolie no, lips. No, no, I have not. Yeah. No, not. I have thin <laughs> lips with a giant cut on it. So that's how I am, Leanne. That looks, that, that, make sure to take a lot of pictures on Mother's Day, Ben. <laughs> that's going to be nice. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, we have a full show today. Uh, so uh, let's see. What's up? We have some good news, bad news on the home front here at my house. Um, I mentioned a few books a couple of weeks ago. I'd like to wave you off a couple of them. <laughs> um, oh, all right. That's that's strong words coming from you, Liam. Uh, Julie, uh, you you. we waited a day to do this podcast. Giant Monica Lewinsky story broke. You're on it. You yes. have some important research. And then, of course, we have Sister Selfridge, this week's episode of Mr. Selfridge. Plus, Julie has a compare, contrast, Jack Bauer, Mr. Selfridge. So I'm. So even if you don't watch Sister Selfridge, stay for the whole show because you may watch 24. Right. Um, but here's, here's what's happened. Remember last week, I, as we were signing off on the Tuesday show, uh, I said, oh, I'm excited to go interview my three doctor friends for a piece I'm writing for Pasadena Magazine. Right. Yes, it sounded fascinating, Leanne. Yeah, it, I, I thought it was a good approach to. It basically answers the age-old question: Can you ask for free medical events at social events? Like, how do doctors actually feel about that? Is there an etiquette for that? You know, what happens if a doctor offers you unsolicited medical advice? Is that something Ooh. you're open to and you're welcome to? And as the stars aligned, I ended up talking to my. First of all, I was surprised I had three friends that were doctors. <laughs> made me it's impressive, Leanne. Very made, impressive. Made me feel really grown up, you know? Like I I mean, I think I even have more friends, but these are like people I could call and say, could, could I interview you? Um, they were all mothers I know from around town. Uh one is a dermatologist, one is a ear, nose, throat, but also does um aesthetics, as they say, Julie. Uh, what is that? She can like tighten up your, your ears or your nose or something? You got it, my friend. She does plastic surgery, also Botox and fillers. Okay. I definitely want to talk to her. Uh, and then my other friend is an OBGYN. Always important. Yes. All three of these women uh, have multiple children, uh, three, three and four kids. Um, and you know, busy, Again, very impressive, Liam. <laughs> very impressive. I know. I mean, and I, I happen to have them all lined up for a single day. So last Wednesday, like I met the ENT for coffee and she arrived, which is cool, in scrubs, which I may just start wearing scrubs because 
<laughs> I think they're Again, cool looking. Very impressive, Leon. <laughs> yeah. Have a uniform. She was all uh, clogs, Julie, clogs and scrubs. And so that seems like my kind of wardrobe anyway, even if I don't like the sight of blood. So she was off to do a little surgery after our interview. And then uh, then I talked to my friend, the OBGYN, on the phone. We had a phoner interview. And then I had lunch with the dermatologist. So oh. um and it was fascinating what they said. And the good news here is that um, all three of them said they're fine with people asking them questions at events. There is no problem. They have no really? problem I'm with surprised. that. I'm surprised with that answer, Liam. Yeah. I think, you know, I mean, they're hardworking people. There's, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch that you shouldn't be like uh, trading on your friendship to get free medical advice. But they they were fine with that. And I they basically said, um, and they said so with, I would want to mention, a great deal of privacy. They were not disclosing patient secrets or anything like that. And I didn't ask. I didn't want them to. Um, but uh, they, they all said, you know, it's kind of what we do. It's not like you turn off being a doctor 24-7. So the same way that people might ask you about, you know, the radio show or the books you write or writing advice. Advice, which I get all the time. Like people ask us about that kind of stuff all the time, particularly uh, with, well, with all three, because those are areas that women are very interested in mm-hmm. dermatology, aesthetics. Yeah, see, I would, Leanne, if I, when you told me that you met in person with the dermatologist, I was like, oh, bad move, Leanne. You should have met on the phone with the dermatologist <laughs> and met in person with the OBGYN. <laughs> you, you do find yourself self-conscious. So I said, are people self-conscious about their appearance to you? And then they said, oh yeah, everywhere we go, people will say, oh, I didn't put any makeup on today. Or, oh, I'm not wearing my usual sunscreen. <laughs> like they confess their own dermatological sins to them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, they said, particularly with the, the Botox and filler, as soon as women hear that, you know, they are very interested in talking about that or, um, and my friend who does that, uh, both the dermatologist and the ENT do it, but the, the ENT offered up that she is her own like best advertisement. She said, she showed me, I've had a little filler here and a little Botox here, and this is what it can do. And honest to goodness, Julie, she has the longest eyelashes you have ever seen from that Latisse. Have you, have you really? Oh, oh, I've seen that advertised. So she doesn't go to a lash bar and no. have fake His, mink lashes put on like she, apparently everyone else in Southern California. She uses the Latisse uh, and she she said, I am my own best advertisement. So, you know, I, I like it very natural. It's light. She said her, uh, you know, she's she's available to her, her Botox patients 24-7. She, she gives them her cell phone. A lot of texts, like, it's done. I didn't know, like, one day you wake up and your Botox is done. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that. So you might need some drive-by Botox. Is that, that's, is... that's what she gets. She goes, people are like, Monday, it's fine. Wednesday, it's done. And she gets the text. Um, and she's happy to give people their cell phone. And just in general, like, all three of them were very giving, generous doctors who felt like they were part of the larger community and that sort of, you know, being available at all hours of the day and night on the sidelines at school events was just part and parcel. All of them said they actually got a lot from their own patients. You know, the My friend, the Derm, was saying she has really interesting patients and she does take the opportunity. She said, you know, what I do is the same. I see a lot of the same things every day in dermatology and 
So when someone walks in and they're an architect, I'm remodeling, I ask them for advice or, you know, <laughs> you know, they're a, they're a business person. I might ask them for advice on how to run my office. And, and, uh, my, one of the other doctors said she actually does barters. She barters a lot. So, oh, Leanne, so are you thinking of doing some bartering? No, Maybe. I, you know, I have almost nothing to offer. I mean, I guess I have some, you know, writing, but I, I thought that was very interesting. Like they just took a very open approach to the fact that this is what we do. We don't turn it off. We do it all the time. My friend who's a gynecologist, this is my she said, I said, has, you know, as you age and your friends age and your kids get older, are the questions different? She said, oh yeah, it used to be like with the kindergarten moms, it was all about pregnancy because a lot of them were having other kids. Mm-hmm. Now it's all about random bleeding and hormones. <laughs> I was like, people ask you about bleeding at school events? She's like, oh yeah. And you know who the worst are? Other doctors. She said other doctors rarely get time to go to the doctor. I heard this, Liam. So, so they just, they always get free advice. Yeah. Right? They okay. just use like whatever they're doing as an office visit. So uh, in general, it was, it was really fun to talk to all of them. They're really accomplished women. And I was like, this is going to make a really fun, funny column. So I get home and I'm working on my rough draft. I'm supposed to hand it in the next day. And I get a call from my editor. She's been fired. <laughs> oh. So I've been fired. I've been fired. Oh. I've been fired. No, Lee. that's it. I'm done. It's just, I was like, you're done. Oh, talks. Oh, I've got nothing to trade now. I got, got a new frown line though. I bet. Little, <sighs> little sad face. Oh, Leanne. I know. I'm really sad. I really enjoyed writing for Pasadena magazine. I loved this editor. She was super talented. I thought she had done amazing things with the magazine over the course of the last year, but the owners are absentee owners and they really don't care about writing. They just want like ads from real estate agents and photos of, of parties or something, whatever houses. I don't know. So they cleaned house, you know, magazines do that. They just, yeah. Everyone's gone. The publisher's gone. The photo editor gone. And my friend, the editor, gone. So, uh, yeah, so that's it. So I'm like, uh, I had to then email all the doctors. Like, I feel terrible. Like, I, so, you know, this is my column. This is, this is what I'm giving back to them because they were so generous and nice with their time. And it was so fun to talk to them. And they were so accomplished. And I thought, they're such good role models. And it was the special doctor issue of the magazine. And I thought, oh, we have these three great female doctors around. That's a perfect story, Leanne. It yeah, was a perfect story, to... Julie. Oh. <laughs> it's a perfect story. So, that's, so, that's sorry, it. So, I, you know, if anyone needs a columnist, call me. Um, <laughs> I, you know, and I liked being back in the magazine business. It's different mm-hmm. than being online. Like to actually see it in print was great. So that makes me sad. So there you go. Good news, bad news. <laughs> got some free medical advice. Got canned. Same day. <laughs> Hard. Oh, this is the oh. third magazine I've been fired from. Okay. It's the nature of the magazine business. I know, Leon. It's not you. I'm sure it, someone it, has told you that. It's <laughs> not you. It's the business. It's the forces of nature. You know, they oh. work against magazines. I know. As, as another friend of mine who's a writer has a book coming out this week, I saw her in yoga class. I'm like, hey. You know, she was telling me about very, like trying to bring the book out with no marketing budget or anything. And, and she goes, we're in a terrible business. I was like, we are. <laughs> Thank you. Now let's go, let's go to yoga. So that's why we need yoga.
I think uh, you should get yourself some free Botox, Leanne. There you go. Okay. You know, I who knows? You know, I told her, I expressed to her my fear uh, with the Botox as the same with Lasix. I feel like I am that 1% where something's going to go horribly wrong. You know, yeah. that the doctor will sneeze and I'll be blinded, you know, yeah. or that the Botox will like go directly into my brain. And yeah. so. Face. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll just stick to writing then. Leanne. Yeah. I know. And there's always another magazine, Leanne. Oh, they did say, it was funny though. They did say they cannot, you know, particularly because they're two dermatologists and, and, or, you know, two people who deal with skin a lot. Um, they will tell people if they see like a basal cell or something, they they will say to complete strangers, you should get that checked out. Oh, well, that's good. I think that's a good public service. You know, the one friend who's a derm said, um, she wondered when she first met a mom, like she saw something on her face, but she's like, how many play dates do we have to have before I tell her? I think it's a basal cell. So, but she, she said, I, I straightened that out. You know, she said after the second one, I said, you know, I, you think, I think you should get this checked out. So anyway, so that's good. Just reconfirm. I think everyone's fear that when you talk to a doctor, a dermatologist, a dentist, they are indeed analyzing you yes this is so okay yeah and they did all admit they cannot they have a hard time coming up with patients names but they mm-hmm. can totally recite their ailments oh. like they'll see somebody and they'll go oh deviated septum you know that's <laughs> like they can't all three of them said it unprompted so, so well, uh, Leon, you know, just, you just don't, don't worry. There's always other magazines. When one door closes, another window yeah. opens. Isn't that what they say, Leon? I am so Scared. tired of the doors closing, Jewel, but <laughs> I have a, a lot of barely open windows in this okay, house. Okay. You just, just keep my... marching on, keep writing. We all love your writing. So. Okay. Thank you. All right. Speaking of writing a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, I was, I, I mentioned a couple books that I had just picked up, picked up, and I was in the process of starting to read. And one I actually recommended to your book club, the head mis- the headmaster's wife. Yes, I yes. would like to unrecommend the book. Oh, really? <laughs> I, I, I hope that is not what you picked. No, um, it, it went uh, towards nonfiction. So okay. What, well, was... it's supposed to be like a it's supposed to be like a Gone Girl, girl like yeah, thriller right. that sort of unravels in an unusual time frame. I, I found it like every middle-aged mage man's fantasy for the first half of the book. And so Oh, it was, okay. it was not. So by the time the unraveling happened, I was over it already. So it was not successful for me. I cannot recommend this, uh, as a book club pick. I think it would be one of those books that everyone hated. So, <laughs> okay. And then they hate you. And then they hate you. Right. Because you selected it. Yes. Right. Okay. Well, good. You saved me there, Leanne, because I did recommend that at the meeting. <laughs> yeah. So I'd like to unrecommend it. Uh, the Headmaster's Wife by Thomas Christopher Green. Um, sorry. Sorry, TCG. Um, but, you know, I did finish The Accident, Julie, by Chris Pavone. He's the one yes. that wrote The Expats. And Which I'm I gonna... loved. I love that book. So yeah. I think you will enjoy this. This is a thriller, uh, again, sort of told from various points of view in time, kind of little uh, different timelines. Um, but it's like a, a thriller about a highly volatile manuscript that like hits the market. Okay. And so you get just enough details, but you need to piece it all together. This one I do recommend. This is okay. well done. So I'm going to stick this in the, have you bought it yet? 
No, I no, but I, I'm gonna. I, I had to buy the nonfiction. Book okay. <laughs> what did? What are you reading? We are reading Going Clear. This is the inside look at Scientology. Do you know this? Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's creepy, is what I would say. <laughs> Very creepy. That's K A dash R E E P Y. That's a new word. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the accident. I'm going to stick in the um, mail to you. I actually okay. have a box ready. I'm going to stick it in. Yeah, that, do that. That and the Anna Quinlan book. I'll send that to you. Okay. Have you read right. that one? No, Liam. Okay. Wait behind. Wait okay. Behind. And then okay. the third book I want to recommend, I have not read yet, I will admit it, but it is by my very talented friend, Sonia Sones. She is the poet who wrote The Hunchback of Neiman Marcus. Mm-hmm. You yes, know, I we talked to her. Book, right. Really cute. Yes. Really cute. Like, it's interesting what she does with, I know it sounds funny, it's like a novel and poetry, but she has a new book called The Night Before College, and it looks like the perfect graduation gift if you know a high school senior. And she co-wrote it with her daughter, uh, who is a Harvard graduate and now writes for uh, The Mindy Project. So her daughter is a comedy writer. So it got rave reviews. Um, I haven't seen a copy, but it just came out this week. So I'll put a link at SatelliteSisters.com. If you know a graduating high school senior, it's good. It's like a $15 price point. You know, it's just a oh, simple, good. fun, rhyming book about the last year of high school and now you're going off to college and it's supposed to be funny and, and poignant and all those things. So oh. if you have to buy a gift for a high school graduate, uh, I want you to check out The Night Before College by Sonia Sones. Okay? Do you think that's more appropriate for a girl graduate than a boy graduate? Uh, it looks like it's, it looks like it's interchangeable. It did not say that. So it it did not say that, but again, I have not read it because I didn't get a copy of it and it it literally just came out. So, um, but, and, but you can look at the reviews on Amazon. They're all good. So publisher, publisher weekly starred review. You don't don't feel like you're going to be retracting that endorsement. I don't. And it's only $15. I feel like it's a, you know, it's a good kind of gift for graduates that, um, it's not a heavy expenditure. So, and I don't think, I don't think the graduates will turn on me as the book clubs would have turned on me in the case of the headmaster's wife. <laughs> That's right. The, the high school graduates just won't read the book. No, I, it, no, it's, I think it's a cute book. Okay. okay. There you go. Anyway, well, Liam, you were just mentioning middle-aged man's fantasy. Yes. And, uh, this is Wednesday and we usually do our show on Tuesday. So this is the Tuesday show we're doing on Wednesday. But lo and behold, I think there was reason why our show got delayed a day. And that was because of the breaking news about Monica Lewinsky. Could you believe that? I thought it was a joke when I was looking online. I thought it was like some prank um prank story that had been put in there. Monica Lewinsky has um, been interviewed for a piece in Vanity Fair magazine. Mm -hmm. It's just coming out, Leanne. Mm -hmm. And this is really about her life now at age 40. Can you believe that? And that she is really trying to take her life on a different track. And it's about sort of what, you know, what she's feeling about, about her life and what has not happened in her life, which is she has really struggled since uh, since the whole, you know, uh, Bill Clinton affair. That doesn't it, surprise me. Yeah. You know, when your name becomes synonymous with just, you know, all kinds of, of nastiness and rumors and uh, truth. And yeah, that does not surprise me. You know, she really was the first person to like be 
totally vilified globally. I mean, I, I was living in Thailand when uh, when the whole Monica Lewinsky thing um, happened. And do you realize that in the like the worst honky tonk you know part of Bangkok, there was a bar called the Monica Bar, and it was named after her, Monica Lewinsky. You know, wow. yeah, people just knew that was you know synonymous with being naughty or whatever. But you know, I have to say. I have a great, I have some sympathy for Monica. I mean, I, I, I think it is a cautionary tale for young girls getting involved with a married men and married powerful men. Right. Um, that, you know, she was only 21, uh, which yeah. at the time that it happened, I think everyone said, well, you know, it was, you know, consenting adults. And she, she said it was consensual sex. I mean, that in this Vanity Fair article, yeah. she doesn't, she doesn't blame, you know, um, Bill Clinton for that. She does say that she feels like he took advantage of her because he was her boss. I mean, he was the most powerful man in, yeah. in the world. Okay. So that, but it's just a cautionary tale because at 21, you know, again, most people are still on their parents' you know, health care at 21. It's not like you really know what you're doing in the world at 21. And to be in that environment where you're with the most powerful man in the world, uh, you know, it's just a cautionary tale. And that her life has never, you know, she's never really even been able to get a job because, you know, she's a smart girl. She went to graduate school. But um, it's just that her name was, you know, is just so tainted right. that nobody wanted to give her a position. So, right. and I, sh- it's such an uh, it's such a um, an unusual name too. Like it's a very yeah. memorable name. Right. So that I think if it was a more generic name, I mean, I know our own sister Monica has had to hear Monica Lewinsky jokes for the rest of her life. So imagine if you actually were Monica Lewinsky. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just so, a reminder how young 21 is. 21, 21 is, is very young. young and you can, and you can make some mistakes and, you know, to, to get, you know, to get, to mess around with the married man. And in this case, I mean, she, she had no, you know, she had no uh, protection so that once, once the whole thing started to unravel, I mean, she, you know, she was the one that really paid the price. I mean, I think Bill Clinton has gone on to become a global leader. Right. You know, he's done a lot of good in the world. I mean, Hillary Clinton, obviously, same thing, global leader. But, you know, I, I, I have some sympathy for her. And I don't know why. I don't know why she decided to do the article. I don't know if it really will help her to get, you know, on some different track in her life. I mean, I don't have as much sympathy for her as I do for the missing schoolgirls in Nigeria. Right. Right. I just say on the total scale of things. Right. Uh, that is a terrible story and a terrible stra- tragedy. But I do think that Monica, I, I just, I just could, I can identify more with her uh, than I ever could. I mean, I just think that she was, became such a caricature in the press and such a, such a joke that you forgot that there really was a human being, a very young human being that was being taunted by the world. And I, I'm sorry about that. So anyway, I wish Monica well. I, I hope that the next stage of her life um, goes better than I think the, probably the last 20 years has. So that's, that's it. And she's but, not the only 21-year-old to have made that mistake. Right. And it probably doesn't go well for 99% of 21-year-old right. women. As I said, it's involved. a cautionary tale right. for, for young girls, you know, who think that it's going to be fun and exciting to get involved with a married, powerful man. Right. So. 
All right. Well, the good news, Leanne, some just fantastic news. Okay. I have always known this, um, but uh, there is new research out now that um, proves that grandmothers have saved the human race. <laughs> yes, Leanne. Yes. No, stick with me. This is okay. Nana's. Nanas are the reason why we have the human race. Okay, this was, an, um, this was a column done by Alison Gopnik in the Wall Street Journal, I think about a week ago. And she talked about a study that was done by a University of Utah professor who went to a part of Africa to observe a, a, a group of a forager group um, that these were some Africans that lived in a little, you know, in villages and foraged for their foods. And what she observed among these villagers was there, there were several old women that were digging roots and cooking dinners and taking care of the babies in, um, in the village. And because the grandmothers could take care of the babies and provide nutrition for the group, that that freed up the mothers to do more, more of the hunting and the foraging, um, the younger, the younger mothers, the grandmothers, they're staying with the babies and they're, uh, well, the mothers and, you know, the husbands are out, um, uh, really getting, getting food. And this really helped this group of villagers survive. And so she began to do some more research about this. And this is really what they figured out. You know, the human race, number one, to begin with, we are the we're the only we're the only species where the female where where you know the children stay with the mothers as long as they do you know i mean if you were for example if you were a chimp lean yeah. you know you would have been thrown out you know much earlier on age 2 you're out you got to get your own food you got to get your own bananas nobody's going to help you and but human beings, we nurture our children a lot longer. And because we do that, it enables us to have become a superior race, a species. And also, um, uh, it enables us to learn things, to pass on culture. We, you know, we've, it's really over time, we've really smartened up because of the way that we nurture our young. And the key to nurturing the young are the grandmothers, Leanne. Okay, it's not the grandpas. Okay, they're not involved. It's the nanas, okay, because they take care of the babies. And there's a, a another study done by the Washington State University professor looking at another group of African villagers where the grandmothers, again, are playing this critical role of helping to nurture the young children and to provide nutrition to the extent, Leanne, that these grandmothers are actually sharing in the breastfeeding um, responsibilities. Wow. Which I think, okay, now this is, this is incredible to me as a Nana, but apparently that, I mean, sometimes they're just providing the breast as a pacifier for the baby while the mom is out, you know, working or doing whatever. But in some cases, the grandmothers are actually relactating. Is that good? Okay. <laughs> Which sounds disgusting. It does. Uh, I'm gonna have to ask my friend the OBGYN. Uh, I, I don't want that ever to happen. <laughs> what, do, what do I need to do to, to ensure that does not happen? Okay. Okay. But they're just what. So they're this whole the grandmother hypothesis. The idea that nanas have saved the human race. If I can put it in a nutshell, mm -hmm. Leanne, it's that grandmotherhood 
developed in tandem with our long childhood. Okay. That, you know, we, um, because, Oh, I get it. You got this. And that by having grandmothers that have lived beyond their, let's say their own fertility, because in, in, again, in other species, most females do not outlive their fertility. Okay. Mm -hmm. But fortunately in our case, we're we're able to carry on somewhat. Okay. Somewhat. Beyond her. With intermittent bleeding. Yeah. (laughs) And it gets worse, Leanne, from that point on. Yes. Okay. Okay. But this is the hypothesis that grandmotherhood developed in tandem with our long childhood. And this allows for more protection, more learning, more passing on the culture. Oh, that was an excellent analysis of that, Julie. Well, thank you very much, Leanne. So I just, as we we approach Mother's Day, I want uh, in particular for you to encourage and to thank the grandmothers in your lives because because they're really holding this whole place together. And I can see that now as a grandmother. (laughs) I do not, I just want to go on record, I do not plan to take up (laughs) relactating or becoming a giant pacifier. To any of my grandchildren. <laughs> so, you know, speaking of Mother's Day, we are asking the Satellite Sisterhood on our Facebook page uh, to um, weigh in on what they want to thank their own moms or maybe grandmothers for. Um, you can find that at the Satellite Sisters group page. We're going to try to put together a show this weekend and send some of your thank yous out onto the air. So, again, what would you like to thank your mother for Um Go to the Satellite Sisters Facebook group page and add on. If you're not a Facebooker, you can certainly add uh, to the website, SatelliteSisters.com. You'll find the page for this this particular show, and you can leave a comment. And thank your grandmother or your mother right there in the comment section. Okay, that that'll be nice to do this weekend. Well, Julie, that's a that's a very nice story. Thank you. All right. Uh, you know, it is time for Sister Selfridge. Um, as I mentioned, Julie is going to do an analysis of Jack Bauer versus Mr. Selfridge at the end of Sister Selfridge. Um, this is the part of the show where we discuss this week's episode of Mr. Selfridge over there on PBS. And he, here's what I liked about this particular episode, Julie. Okay. It was... 98% British people and 1% Belgian waffle. And there was no Mr. Selfridge. Yes, Leon. <laughs> so, that was the key to this one. Not Harry. It was very steady acting all the way through. Leanne. Yeah. So, and then the dramatic scene where Miss Martle and the Belgian waffle make out. That was fantastic. It was, it was very, very satisfying. I I just, it was a highlight for me. No doubt that, that, that the Belgian waffle was a good kisser too. Yeah. Yeah. Very solid. And, and, and she was enjoying it. I I think there's going to be some more of that. And uh, that whole scene though, I mean, I was, I was just, there was so much tension, Leanne, because I was afraid the Belgian waffle was not going to understand the word ardor. Remember she said, (laughs) it's very British. I know. I mean, that, I was like, uh-huh, what? But what? Does he know what that means? He might totally misconstrue what she's saying. Yeah, you know, now when you think about it, the hots is just a much better word. Yes. <laughs> I understand you might have the hots for me. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we would say. <laughs> but, but that was a highlight. I think in many ways the show, there was a lot, a, a lot of the men had very good scenes. All mm-hmm. right, let's we can just begin with Henri Leclerc, okay? Who looks so fantastic in prison. 
I, oh my God, that prison really suits him. <laughs> Dunning away know, with the formal the shirts and the, oh gosh, he's a handsome guy. He is. He's much more handsome, uh, in, but with the dirty shirts. And yes. I don't know why he was apologizing for yeah, that. Yeah, he looked great. I know. <laughs> so it is impressive how swift the justice is in London. <laughs> yes. That he can be arrested on the suspicion of spying in the morning and almost released the same day. Uh-huh. That, was, that was amazing to me. But I don't believe, and I think it's like from a writing point of view, Leanne, I thought it was totally lame that they said, oh, well, wait a minute. Well, we checked in the United States, and apparently he has some theft charges. I don't think that would have ever have happened, Leanne, in that time frame. I think Not in that time would- frame. Because I, I was thinking, like, how did... Did they call the United States? What? How did they get that information so quickly? Yeah, that it's just crazy. I mean, I think if you had like committed a crime in the United States and somehow made it to the continent or made it to England, you were free and clear. Mm-hmm. Okay, you were. You did not ever have to worry about, you know, the United States coming after you in a foreign country. Uh, that's just. I think the British are very thorough, though. So even in the middle of a war, they felt the need to check out this guy's, you know, backstory, this potential spy's backstory. So, but what did he steal, Julie? What did he steal? I I don't know. I don't know. know. It's got to be something big. I I hope it wasn't a razor because I like him with that one day stubble. I hope he didn't steal a lifetime supply of razors. <laughs> okay, and let's talk about the other man in the show this week, and that would be Victor. Oh, man. Yes. Oh, didn't you love him? He's yes. like, no rush to judgment about Henri Leclerc. You know, he wanted everyone to stay cool. And the fact that he encouraged and trusted Agnes to go visit Henri Leclerc and then figured out how to get that sniveling head of fashion <laughs> to admit that he had turned in Henri Leclerc. I thought this was Victor's true colors came out. And he was, you know, I, I just thought it went very well for him. He's week. worthy of Agnes. After yes. this week's episode, I felt like he was worthy of Agnes. And I like that little kiss he stole from Agnes uh, at yes. the store. Yeah, they got something, something going. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that was just just fine. So he had a big role. So Mr. Grove, okay, you know, now they had he had that dramatic again dramatics elevator scene, but in my mind it was a little too late uh, and too little that you know just you know here was the woman he probably should have married, but you know he he had his own he had his t- chance and right. he blew it. But I did uh, like enjoy the lines that young men have urges, <laughs> urges he can't control. Okay. <laughs> Oh, who wrote this stuff? Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Arders. Arders they cannot control. Uh, Arders. I know. I had to look that word up. Okay. Gordon. What do you think about Gordon? Gordon had a great show. I was happy to see um, that he sort of came into his own and that instead of writing the letter, he sort of forged his own way. And again, he appears to be British. So I think... Born of two American parents, apparently a couple of years in in boarding school in England, and and you become thoroughly British because that seemed like a thoroughly British thing to do, to go round to the house and express your condolences. Yes. And I hope I hope something again with the shop girl. Yes. uh, I I would like a little um, love scene there, too. I think that that would be totally appropriate. And he's 
uh, Gordon has aged well beyond his years. You know, he's he's really he's taking on these um, very adult responsibilities. So, uh, well, I'm interested. I was interesting. Like they all mentioned that Mr. Selfridge was gone uh, about 100 times in the show. And um, <laughs> I was like, doesn't he ever leave? Like, does First of all, no one appeared to be doing any work in the store while he was gone. There was a lot of running about to the police station and to various places, but nothing got sold while he was gone and no decisions got made. It was like a complete standstill because he was gone. I know. Well, Mr. Crab was trying to hold it together. Yes. You know, he was he was doing his little bit, but I thought he was going to burst at the beginning of the show over the whole espionage charges because mm. that was really had him in a tizzy. Mr. Newspaper Man right. is totally over. He is. I, I mean, I never liked him. I didn't like the way he looked. I didn't think he was right for Kitty. I, I it's just he's 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 so well, he's so done. So yeah, now good that, for Kitty. Yeah. 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 All right. Can we talk about Rose for a minute? Yes, please. Okay. Is she an idiot or what? <laughs> is she an idiot? I mean, the fact when she took the list to Delphine, I was like, oh, yeah, good plan there. Okay. She is this an woman idiot. who has, Delphine, who has not given you the time of day, Rose, right. in the last two episodes. Okay. And now you're going to go into Harry's secret drawer and come up with the secret list and just share it with Delphine because what? Because you're an idiot. Okay? I know. That's all <laughs> I can is. say. I know. And, but, and you and, don't sound the slightest bit American of the of the early 20th century. So that's the other thing that bothers me. Yeah. But yeah, she, yeah she's, she's an idiot. You're right, Julie. Okay. I, I wouldn't have put it in those terms, but you're right. When you say okay. it like that, she's an idiot. Okay. And I don't understand why, as the wife of Harry Selfridge... She has that whole scene where she is wearing that super drab green sweater. Okay, what, what's what's up with that? I don't okay. know. I mean, she. Uh, I mean, she, at least she should be in like sort of fashionable stuff, or or is that part of her persona? I don't know. And again, another idiot comment when she felt like dignified silence was the best response to the scandal in the newspaper. Okay. Right. But she did do some screaming, which I don't know why I enjoyed when she screamed <laughs> at people. <laughs> and she was in Harry's office and then to poor Lady Loxley. Okay, so what about Lady Loxley? Uh, you know, I you know she's not going to be able to get away from that guy. But I <laughs> I did like, I did not, again, because we didn't see season one, all right, people, we admit it. So I didn't know that her lady's maid, that Dickensian lady's maid, yeah. was yeah, like, yeah. had been her dresser in the theater. So I loved those two. <laughs> like. I love but didn't she sort of looked like she had had electric shock yes or yeah. something her eyes were like bugging out and poor thing had to carry those bags yeah but, uh, no she yeah, looked uh, like she had been raised in like a prison you know when <laughs> like you know or you could come from Nicholas Nickleby or something yeah. I, I don't know she just so I know she's a great she's now I appreciate like the character of the character actor like she I thought that was really good I, I, yes. I liked getting to know that backstory I hope they can make it out of there alive but I don't know I, I don't feel like he's gonna let them go but I love like just sneaking out the front door with yes. her lady's maid <laughs> that's how I want to go really okay yeah. Yeah. it's that's a lady's good. maid 
No, I so she I really she, my she's really gone up in my estimation. And for Lord Loxley, I I called it several weeks ago, Leon. I told you exactly what was going to happen with the boot manufacturing, and it has played out that way. You so, have, Julie. Good work. Yes. That was good. So, yeah, good prediction. Good prediction. So I, I, again, Sunday night was a little busy for me. So I taped the show and I ended up watching Mr. Selfridge and then back to back into Jack Bauer 24 season premiere. Leon, did you happen to see the uh, premiere to, uh, to 24? You know, I did not. And I know you have loved 24 forever. I have never seen an episode of 24. So really, okay. Well, Leon, I have some, I have some good news, okay. I, but I did don't hold it of, against me. I don't want to hear. No, 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 I don't. I, I'm not holding it against you. No, I think it's, I think it's something you can jump into. That's what I'm going to tell you, Leon. That's the good news. Okay. But I had, did sort of a compare and contrast between Harry and Jack. Well, first of all, they're both in London. Okay. In this, this episode, oh, really? Oh, okay. they're both in London and they're both spies, but here's the thing. Harry seems oblivious to what he's supposed to be doing in the spying business. And all Harry wants to do is please customers. Jack, Jack Bauer, yeah, he doesn't want to please anyone, Leon. That's what you need to know about Jack Bauer. Now, you know the big... The number two, the secret, to, the big device that they use in the show um, 24 is they have a di- digi- digital clock that counts down the actual hour of, you know, it's sort of everything is happening in, in real time. Right. Right. And each episode is an hour in a 24 hour uh, time time frame. A, grand, so, a groundbreaking television concept, by the way. OK. When OK. 24 well, first debuted. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yes, and that so the the clock and it moves along and it makes this ticking noise and everyone is constantly in motion. Now you know in Selfridges there is that clock as well. Yeah. They're all checking, <laughs> they're looking at the clock, but nothing is happening. They just slow down. Things get slower when they look at the clock. Okay, you know uh, another comparison. Harry, he's reluctant to. Uh, you know he's worried about the war, World War One. It's coming. Jack Bauer, Leon. Okay, I know you've never seen him, but he is always at war. Okay. <laughs> He's always at war. Okay. okay. For, I, there is a drop-in factor, okay? You know that we at uh, Satellite Sisters, we, we, got, we really got lambasted because we thought we could just drop into yes. season two of Mr. Um, yeah. We took some heat. We took some heat. We did. We did that. We did a poor job. We didn't understand what was going on. Good news for you, Leanne. 24, you can just jump right in. Okay. Okay. I, I I saw a couple of the first seasons when we were living in Russia, but I haven't kept up with Jack. I missed a couple. Well, it's been off the air for like five years. I know, but I okay. missed, I, missed <laughs> I didn't want you to feel bad. He had he saved the world several other times. Okay. That I did not see, but here is the good news, Leon. You can just jump right back into twenty four. You don't need to know the backstories at all. Okay, I mean there are backstories, but but even if you don't know what's going on. It's it's all happening in real time. You don't get confused, as obviously we do with Mr. Selfridge. We've gotten very <laughs> right. confused. Okay. You know, um, in Mr. Selfridge, you know, we have the key relationship of Harry and Rose. And I have compared this to a high school production of Hello, Dolly. Okay. <laughs> that there is just... The acting is so poor, it yeah. just really takes you down, okay? Right. But the good news about 24 is Jack Bauer and his assistant, Chloe, okay? They are they are just chewing up the, uh, the scenery. Okay. These two can really act. And this year, Chloe, 
who was always Jack Bauer's like data assistant, okay, working hard behind the scenes. She has some now new weird persona with very dark um, eye makeup on that is excellent. Okay, as I understand, because we do know a Fox executive, that would be our sister Liz, (laughs) that apparently Chloe is going to be one of the big stars this year of this uh, of this season. So, again, something to watch for, Leanne, that you have a very strong female lead character in there. Okay, Uh, now. Here's the thing that the good news for both Harry and Jack are that no matter what happens to Harry in Berlin or no matter what happens, I'll just say with the drones and Jack Bauer, you know, they're both going to make it. Right. right? So you don't, I really do not believe that they are going to be Their characters are safe. They are not going to die. But I would like to see a little more killing going on in Mr. Selfridge. And I suggest they knock off Lord Loxley. I think that could be a spectacular murder, you know? Perhaps it's the lady maid that could do it, Lynn. Or the journalist feels uh, betrayed. Oh, could be. Feels totally set up. And the next thing you know, he snapped his neck. Could be. Okay. And what I'd like to see is a little less killing in 24. Okay. (laughs) I can't even tell you how many people got killed in those first two hours on Sunday, on Monday. But it is something to watch. And you might want to do this next week is to watch a little Harry Selfridge, boom, right into Jack Bauer. See, see I think I have a DVR issue because I have The Good Wife going too. So that's my like Sunday night, 10 o'clock. I watch The Good Wife. No, no, 24 is on Monday. Oh, it's on Monday. Oh, it's on okay. Monday. It's oh, good on Monday. news. Oh, okay. So you can do this, Leanne. You okay. can do this. <laughs> well, that, I'm going to write that down, Julie. Good work. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Our views of Sister Selfridge. Let's see. Uh, on the Facebook page, we asked you people um, people giving the thumbs up for the observation that there was no Harry Selfridge this time. <laughs> so it made the hour more enjoyable. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Jennifer thought that Loxley was going to throw the broken boots at Lady May's face Mm -hmm. while she ridiculed him, that he showed some restraint. Um, let's see. Uh, Liz tried. She wanted to like it, but she shopped in London, but she can't get into it. Uh, well, really a lot of people have tried and failed. And then Brenda just posted on the post about Sister Selfridge that she'd like to wish Satellite Sister Monica and all her fellow nurses a happy Nurses Week. <laughs> so, hi, there you go. That is the perfect way to wrap up Sister Selfridge. It is, Leanne. Happy Nurses Week, Monica, and all the nurses <laughs> in the Satellite Sisterhood. <laughs> all right, Julie, I know you have something to do. I have something to do, but we are happy we got to connect with you this Wednesday. Don't forget, you can find out uh, more about our show at SatelliteSisters.com. We are happy to have you along for the ride. If you're new to the show, don't forget to share the sisters. Thanks so much for all of your support. Um, you can find our blog posts with information on the books we mentioned uh, over at SatelliteSisters.com. Or if you want to comment and thank your mother for the Mother's Day show, please do that at Satellite Sisters com or the Facebook page. Jewel, have a great week. Hey, Leanne, happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you very much to you too. And don't forget, call your satellite sister. Hello, Satellite Sisterhood. Thanks for downloading our podcast. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to Satellite Sisters, we always welcome your input and your enthusiasm. 
In fact, our theme for 2014 is Share the Sisters. So if you're so inclined, help us spread the word about Satellite Sisters. How, you may ask? Well, go ahead and write a review on iTunes or give us the thumbs up on Stitcher if that's where you download the show. We'd love to have you share a link to our show on your Facebook stream. Or how about just go to SatelliteSisters.com and pay us a visit every once in a while over there at our blog. Thank you so much for your support of Satellite Sisters. And don't forget, share the sisters.